Well, if the purpose of worship is to prepare us to serve the Lord, if the purpose of worship is to give us an opportunity to express what God has done for us, we've worshipped today. As I was watching the videos and watching the children and singing the songs and listening to the song, Robin, I don't know where you found that song. Um, that Tiffany sang was just so on target. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. We've been in a series this week, this month, about the heart. Heart matters. And we planned it several weeks ago, and I said, we know we're preaching on this that day. That will tie in really nicely. And I just didn't realize how nicely it would come together. God never ceased to amaze me about this. But the first week we talked about looking at the heart of God because... Frankly, God's heart and our heart in His natural state is just so different. God is all about, about seeking and saving that which is lost, that calling sinners to repentance. And frankly, our heart so often is about us. About us. And so we looked at God's heart and we saw it when He called a really bad sinner. I mean, we would call him the bottom of the pit. He called him and all he did was walk up and said, hey, I want you to come and follow me. And the guy got up from where he was and left behind that past and that baggage and a lucrative career, left all that behind and followed Jesus Christ. And in that process, became a committed Christ follower. It was tremendous. And then we looked last week at our hearts, examining our hearts. Because Jeremiah said, the heart is desperately wicked and it's utterly sick. Who can know it? And we looked at several verses that helped us examine our hearts to see really what is inside our hearts. What do our hearts look like? Because again, the heart is a great liar. And because it's your heart, it will watch out for number one. And if we allow it to, it will cause our universe to implode upon us. It becomes all about us. It hurts people. It hurts families. It hurts marriages. It hurts parent-child relationships. It hurts churches. And it's hurting our world. So what do we do about that? Today, that's what we want to talk about. Today, we want to talk about receiving their heart. Receiving their heart. Heart matters. Receiving their heart. And in case you're wondering who there is, T-H-E-I-R, it is God the Father, it is God the Son, it is God the Holy Spirit. If you're going to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ezekiel and chapter 11, that's Old Testament. Now to help you out, we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to have it on the, on the screens here in your bulletin as a sermon sheet for the scriptures we're going to use today. And of course, get your table of contents, look at your front of your Bible, and you'll find he's one of the prophets there. And he has a great scripture to share with us. And we're going there, and then we're going to look at that Jesus, then we're going to look at the Apostle Paul briefly at each of those, because I realize it's just a little bit later than it normally is, but I wouldn't have changed a thing this morning. I really would not have. But to give just a little bit of context, because I don't want you to claim something that's not there to claim, or I don't want to teach something that's not there to teach. And that is, you've got to understand that this is a prophecy that dealt with the nation of Israel. And it's really a twofold, real quick. One is this the nation of Israel, because they had abandoned God, were cast into captivity. 
And, and they were sent to the nation of Babylon. They were dispersed, all but a few that stayed back in Jerusalem. And so God is making a promise here, a prophecy for the nation of Israel, that one day he would bring them back and do a tremendous work in their lives. Some people believe also, it's talking about the time when the nation of Israel will be called to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. As a nation, not meaning every Jew will be saved, but as a na- nationally receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. So, so how does it apply to us? It's a beautiful portrait. It's a picture. It's a parallel of what, what God wants to do in our life. Ezekiel and chapter 11 and verse number 19 and 20. Here's what the Bible says. God speaking against the nation of Israel, but let him speak to us through the parallel. He says this. And I will give. Oh, this is so powerful. It's the action of God. So often in religious circles, we like to think that it's something we have to do. And God the Father says, oh, no. Oh, no. Listen, this Bible school thing, it's not something you've got to do. This, this back to school thing, it's not something you've got to do. Uh, uh, this all-star thing, it's not something you've got to do. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you. He says, I will give them. And what's he going to give them? He's going to give them one heart. Say one heart. One heart. You know what he's saying when he says one heart? He's not talking about the fact that I have two kidneys, two ears, and two eyes, and two nostrils, like we talked about last week. And he's talking, I've only got one heart. He's not talking, he's talking about a unified heart. He's saying, nation of Israel, I'm going to bring you back. Do you see? They suffered from the same disease we have a tendency to suffer. They were so divided. That's why Joshua in Joshua 24 said, choose ye this day whom you'll serve. Because we have a tendency, a propensity in us to worship other gods, to let other things distract us and take us away from the things that matter concerning kingdom work. And God says, I know that's been a problem in your past, Israel. I know it's been a problem that you had a time focusing on me and staying on me, but I've got something for you. I'm going to give you a unified heart. I'm going to give you a heart with one purpose, and that one purpose will be to worship me. And that is what God does for us. That's what God does for us. He promises today, His desire is that as a child of God, I want to give you one heart. I want you to give you a heart. I don't want you to be a multifaceted church. I don't want you to be a multifaceted uh, person in the sense that so many loyalties and so many passions, so many things divide you. I want to bring you together. And that one heart will be this. I want you to glorify my name through kingdom work. The reason... Christians today, the reason you are here still is that God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is to glorify Him through your life. It's not to amass enough money to retire in your 201K one day. It's not enough that you just amass enough wealth to do your thing one day. It's not enough that you can drive a certain car or live in a certain neighborhood or wear a certain label on your clothes. He says, oh, no, listen, those things are temporal. Those things are passing. It's so much bigger than that. It's so much greater than that. My passion for you, my one heart for you is that you serve and glorify me. The highest and greatest calling of all the earth. He says, I'm going to give you a unified heart. Of all the things that will pull you apart, I'm going to be the one thing that pulls you together. Yes, you may have your denominations, but I'm telling you the unifying factor will be me, and that is Yahweh, that is Jehovah God. And then he says, I'm going to give you a new spirit. Commentators tell me that the H could be capitalized, the S could be capitalized there, and it came the spirit that God says, I want to give you a new power source. 
I, I, will, I would like to come up and take residence in your life. And I want to be your power, your consolation, your strength as you journey through this life. I want to give you a one heart and I will give them a new spirit that I put within them. And watch this. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh. The heart of stone. A heart that is hardened toward the things of God. He says, nation of Israel, my call for you is that you allow me to take that old heart out. That heart that is hardened toward the things of God. And instead, I want to put in there a heart of flesh. It's really cool. Heart of stone, they're safe. I could walk up and say, you're the ugliest dude I ever saw. If you've got a heart of stone, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. Heart of stones are safe. You can fall in love and she can drop you tomorrow and it doesn't even hurt. He can say, I don't love you anymore. It doesn't even bother you. Heart of stones are safe. But heart of stones don't work. Heart of stones can be beautiful. We've all seen different sculptures around. And sometimes we see beautiful sculptures of not the human heart, but of the heart. Uh, perhaps in granite with all its fine detail and pattern. They're beautiful, but they don't work. And hard hearts don't work in kingdom work. So God says, give me the privilege of reaching in and taking that heart of stone out. And putting it in a heart of flesh. It may not be as pretty. It may be risky because human hearts can get broken. But it will work. It will do what it's designed to do. Just like my human heart is designed to pump blood. It's not the most attractive organ in my body. Not that any of my organs are particularly attractive. But anyway, it will do what it's designed to do. And God says, I want to give you a heart. I want to give you a heart today, a heart of flesh, a heart that will bring glory to my name. And then when that happens, when you allow that to happen, they will walk in my statues. The people of Israel will walk in my statues and keep my rules and obey them. Not for rule keeping. Not for rule keeping. Not for the sake of obedience. For the sake of bringing glory to God in this world that so hurts. And God says, you know what? I... I'm going to be your God, and you can be my people. Isn't that incredible? Have you ever really pondered that? Yeah, can you peel back the Baptist label just for a moment? Or your Pentecostal label? Or your Catholic label? Can you pull that back and get back to the essence of this? That the God who created the universe desires to come into relationship with you and part of him wants to live in you. That's, is that incredible? It really is. And God says, I want this for you. I count you that valuable. Let me do what I need to do. That's the heart of God. And today, if you're here today, and you're, you're still sitting like Matthew was at your tax table that day. You're still sitting there doing your thing, doing your business. I want you to know something. That if you listen real carefully, you're going to hear this. It's the knock of Jesus Christ on your heart today. And he's saying, I want you to follow me. And you may say, you don't know what I've done, dude. Jesus, God, you don't want me. I, I, 
was abused or I've been abused. You don't want me. Friday night, I was so drunk I couldn't stand. You don't want me. I'm so hooked on drugs. They tell me there's no hope for me. You don't want me. My mouth speaks vile language. You don't want me. Follow me. The God that I proclaim to you today. The God that we serve as a corporate body today. If you're here today and you've never got up from your table to follow Jesus. The God that worked in our life waits to work in your life. This room today is not filled with a bunch of holier-than-thou religious people. It's, it's, it's a filled with a bunch of people who are sitting at their desk one day, and one day Jesus knocked on our heart's door, and we all had our junk. Come on now. We all had our junk. We all had our habits. We all had our addictions. We all had our stuff. And one day Jesus said, come on, follow me. And we did. We, we, got, we got no corn on the market of holiness. We're not children of God today because, you know, we're so good. We're children of God today because He's so good. And I can't tell you how much my desire and so many people in this room's desire is not that you become a Baptist, not that you do on our church, not that you get dunked, but you meet the living God. That's our heart's desire. That's our passion. That is our passion. And brothers and sisters... Sometimes, even after we get that new heart of flesh, because we don't take care of it, it gets hard, it gets calcified. He says, keep on following me. Let, let me. let me give you a good dose that will soften your heart up again. Come, follow me. God loves you so much. God loves you so much. Come, follow me. Then we see Jesus. The God, love in action, God. But, but bring it, put, Dwayne, put flesh and bones. I think about trading again, Brent, I never forget. You know, Dad, sometimes you need flesh and bones. Put, put some flesh and bones on it for me. God became man. Put some flesh and bones on it. Jesus Christ left the splendor of heaven, strapped on a human body, and lives for 30 years in the world, working as a carpenter. And one day publicly comes forth and begins a ministry for three years that impacts this world in such a way we're still talking about it. We're talking about an obscure carpenter that no one should know about 21 centuries later, and fully over half the world knows of Jesus Christ today. Not knows, knows of Him. How is that possible? Because of what He was and who He is. And Jesus' life, Jesus' life, this flesh and blood we're going to talk about, this flesh and blood was not an impossible standard. It was show and tell. He's saying, as I walked on this earth, now you walk. Here's what He said one day. I love this. In Matthew chapter 9, he says this. And Jesus went. Pause. Matthew 28. Go. Go. Talking to believers now. Talking to those who one day heard Jesus say, come follow me and you're following him. 
He's calling you to continue to go. Go. And he says this. He went throughout all the cities and the villages. He went out where the people were. In fact, he went to the synagogue to teach them. Now, what did he go to the synagogue for? He liked church, yes. I'll give you that. You know why he went? That's where the people were. The people would gather, and he wanted to teach them about God. So he went to all the cities and villages, and he taught them, and I love this, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what this is about? It is not about a week's free babysitting. It's not about so we so parents have a way to take their kids. It's not about tradition. Well, you know, we've always done Bible school, so we've got to do it. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are like Jesus when we do Bible school. Perhaps we are more like Jesus than any other time of the year. Because I can see my Savior sitting down one day and some parents want to bring some children. And the disciples said, He ain't got time to see your kids. Don't you know he's the Son of God? And we, by the way, are his lieutenants. And Jesus heard him talking. He said, hey, lieutenants, let him come. Suffer, King James, suffer the little children to come to me. Why? Because at the core of Jesus Christ are people like innocent children. That's why. That's why he proclaimed the great good news that, yes, we're sinners, but there's a God who loved us enough that he provided a way that we could come into relationship with him. And no matter how vile our sin may be, he waits to and can forgive it. He proclaimed the gospel to them. And then he says, he healed every disease and affliction. He touched their lives. He put their hands on their lives. Tiffany, come up real quick. She's been our vacation Bible school director for several years. And Tiffany, let me ask you a question. Do we just preach to them? Do we touch them? What if they're from the projects and they don't smell good? Do, do we say you can't come to our Bible school? We, we, we welcome them. And what if they live in Southwest Acres in the very nicest house out there? Do we let them come too? We touch them, don't we? Guys, we touch them. God's not out of the touching business. He is a touching God. And He's called us as believers to touch in His name. When He saw the crowds, when He saw the crowds, He had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helped. If we and as we see these children, as we see these kids, I don't know a percentage, but a large percentage of the kids who are going to darken these doors on June the 13th through the 17th are going to be helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. A large percent of them 
will not know Jesus Christ as Savior. A large percentage of them who have never darkened the door of a church except for vacation Bible school. A large percent of them will come from a home where there's only one parent. And most likely a single mom. Many of them will come from that home with a mom who's trying to work 40 hours a week and raise a family on her own. And there's no other way to describe that but hard. Many of these kids will come from a home when they get home from school, mama or daddy is not there because there's not a daddy. And mama is doing something else. Many of these kids will come to this church June 13th through 17th but have not been hugged in a long time. Many of these kids will come and they've been abused. And they've been hurt. And they've been harassed. And they're looking for an oasis. They're looking for a place, yes, in the form of Bible school, yes, in the form of some games and songs, but they're looking for a place that they cry out, can you love me? Will you love me? Folks, there's no greater privilege, there's no higher calling than to reach out to the harassed and the helpless and to love them. This is big, guys. You know why it's big? Because this is the heart of God. This is in our DNA. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, inscribed in your life today is the DNA of God who says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I see them. I have compassion on them because they're harassed and helpless as sheep without a shepherd. If you will just reach down, not in your heart because your heart will lie to you, but run quickly and get a DNA test, you will find written in your DNA the love of Jesus Christ that compels you to love like He loved. It's incredible. It's incredible. He said to His disciples, Guys, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He says there's this huge harvest, but the problem is there's not enough workers. So what are we going to do? We're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to send forth laborers for his harvest. Now, this isn't true all the time. But you know what? This is one time you get the privilege of praying the prayer and being the answer to the prayer. Come on now. You get the privilege of praying for the prayer, praying the prayer and saying, God, guess what? I'm the answer to the prayer. God has a place for you to serve. And by the way, not just Bible school. That's just the emphasis today. God has a place for you to serve in his kingdom. And as we pray, God, send forth the laborers. You get to be to answer that prayer. Three incredibly busy people. The last week in March, all three doctors are leaving this country, taking a week out of their schedule, abandoning their practices, and going to Mali. That doesn't make them incredibly spiritual. It doesn't make them incredibly sacrificial. It makes them normal for believers. For believers. In May, 
perhaps now we've heard up to five will be going to Nicaragua for a vision trip. Doesn't make them incredibly spiritual. Doesn't mean they're sacrificing greatly. They're just being normal. And the second week in June, there's an opportunity. And you don't have to fly 14 hours to get there. You don't have to fly five hours to get there. It's right here. Here's the cool part. Y'all are familiar with Jeff Foxworthy? I, I made up my own. I don't know. I don't listen to his stuff. But I made up my own. If you count Belchin as a second language, you might be a redneck. Has he said that one? You send it to him. He'd probably like to use that. Or the Baptist version. If one day you had a craving for fried chicken and took it as a call to preach, you might be a Baptist. <laughs> you might be a VBS worker. If today you are one of the most influential persons in the lives of young people. If you have been gifted to work with children, particularly in youth, if you are a public school teacher who just happens, I know just finishing a school year, but just happens to be off June 13 through 17, you just might be a VBS worker. I know what my daughter says. Dad, I just finished teaching kids all year. I need a break. Could you take your break starting the 18th? You are gifted of God to teach. You work with children every day. And you are available. Would you consider giving a week to God for vacation Bible school? You might be a BBS worker if you're a school teacher. If God has blessed you with working the second shift and you go to work at 2 and get off at 11, you might be a VBS worker because VBS runs from 8.30 to 11.30, 11.45. If you are one of those ones that somehow your job has put you in a position where you don't work those normal hours and you're available, you just might be a VBS Worker. If you find yourself today and you're a stay-at-home mom or dad and you're available on June 13 through 17, you probably are a VBS worker. If you find yourself today and, and you are retired, not tired, retired. You will be tired by Friday. <laughs> we'll take care of the tired part. If you're retired, we, could, we won't choose. If you're here today and you have the health that is necessary, and by that I mean are you breathing, we can use you somewhere. You are a VBS worker. You've got mama skills and papa skills and grandma skills and grandpa skills. And you may not be able to do the heavy work, but I bet you're still a good loving mother, father, grandfather. You probably are a VBS worker. If you're here today 
You're unemployed. Sometime recently, you lost your job. You don't see one coming. And if God doesn't choose to send you a job by June 13 through 17, one of the most fruitful, profitable, and purposeful things you can do is set that week apart and say, I may not have a job, but I've got a job. And I'm going to be a VBS worker and love on some children who need to be loved. Incredibly, I'm, I, I, feel, I don't even want to say this because I'm fortunate. I work for the church as well as does David and Brent. I don't have to take vacation to go to Bible school. I get paid to do it. But if you're here today and you say, no, I've got three weeks vacation. I don't have any plans for week number three. You could be a vacation Bible school teacher. Perhaps you work for a boss who's very open to letting you have that time off. You could be a VBS worker. You say, well, Dwayne, I can't do any of that. If you can pray for the children, you're a VBS worker. If you can show up that Sunday afternoon and you have an artistic bent toward decorating, designing sites, you could be a VBS worker. If you're, if you're available to make some follow-up visits after Bible school, you could be a VBS worker. You see, all of us can be a part of Bible school. And that's the heart of Jesus. That's Jesus in action. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassing, a compassion says, Guy, pray and be an answer to the prayer. Be a VBS worker. And real quick, this last scripture is like incredible. Watch what I'm fixing to say and then challenge me if you want. The verses I'm fixing to give you Come from a mere man. A mere man. Flesh and blood. Not Jesus, the Son of God. 100% man, but 100% God. I'm talking about a guy that had a normal mom and dad born. And is the most incredible statement made by a man in the entire Bible. Challenge me. Here's what it says. We see love in action with Paul. In verse number 1 of Romans chapter 10, he says this. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, the lost, is that they may be saved. He said, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that these lost Jews, these lost people be saved. Now, that's not even radical. That's normal. Every one of us who know Jesus Christ, anyone who's been redeemed from hell today, should want others not to go there. It's normal. I mean, how many times are we go on the phone? Hey, I told, I told Becca. I said, Becca, you need to go to Dillard's. They're having their 50 and 70% off sale with an additional 40% off. You need to go. We want to spread good news. It's natural. So Paul's just saying, I listen, my heart's desire, my anguish is that these come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. That's not even radical. That's normal. But verse number, chapter 9, verse number 1 is, un- I can't get my arms around it. I've tried. Here's what he says. It's so bizarre, it requires a preamble. I am speaking the truth in Christ. In fact, he says, lest you misunderstand, I am not lying. He says, I'm speaking the truth. Listen, look at me in the eye. I'm not lying to you. This is incredible. He said, why, 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 why that? Hang on, you're going to see. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit bears witness. I'm speaking the truth. Here's what he said in verse 2. 
that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I am in deep agony. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, in case that's still a little too more biblical for you, I mean, Dwayne, can you dumb it down for me just a little bit? Sure can. What Paul is saying, I am so burdened for these lost people. By the way, interesting enough, kinsmen, because Paul was a Jew, his kinsmen would be fellow Jews. Question, who beat Paul? Jews. Who ultimately, through their persecution, pushed him to one day he'd have his head cut off for Jesus Christ? Jews. And you think you have a hard time loving people? These people beat him, abused him, stoned him, and left him for dead. And you know what he says? Here's what. I wish, if it were possible, I wish that I could lose my salvation, be separated from Christ, accursed from Christ, if it meant these people being saved. I think I can tell you, if it came down to Judy or me, I would take the bullet. I can look my daughter in the eye and say, I would take the bullet. I see that little blonde-haired kid there. I'd take the bullet in a heartbeat. You're not so lucky. But we're not talking about physical death. We're talking about Paul saying, I would be willing to give my relationship with Christ up that they might be saved. And that, dear friends, is a love that's hard to comprehend. I think Paul must have had the heart of Jesus. Brent. And you know the cool part is? God's not asking that of us today. But in this particular Sunday, he's saying, do you think maybe we could find some time between the 13th and 17th and show Jesus to send about 150, 175 kids. Show Jesus to some kids. Show Jesus to some kids that don't know him. We don't know. I was so impressed with the display of the t-shirts. We don't know all those kids that are represented and the seed that was planted and where they are now. But can I make a promise to you? There are some incredible stories that could be told. And it all happened because someone found the time. And please don't take this just for Bible school. It's kingdom work. It's the day in and day out. It's, it's in the minds. It's at the office. It's everywhere being Jesus. I'm not really sure the context of that scripture found at the bottom of your sermon sheet. Psalm 142.4 but it says this. 
Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. My prayer is that. That no one could ever say. That in the shadow of the steeple of Dorsville Baptist Church. No one ever cared. For my soul. So how about your heart? How about your heart? If you've not taken time yet to fill out your sheet. In fact we don't need it today. How about your heart? Are you one of those folks that maybe will have some time the week of June 13 through 17? And boy, do we need, we need, we need teachers, we need leaders, we need these, these tour guides are special people. They spend the entire week with that one group of kids. Talking about a chance to make a fingerprint on, on their lives. What an opportunity. Perhaps one of the most important positions is the tour guides. Would you be willing to say yes to that? I love what Tiffany said about feeding the kids. We did realize that's exactly what happened. Kids were coming to Bible school hungry because there was not a box of cereal in the house. Maybe you could work in the kitchen. We'll be calling for supplies. Maybe God will burden your heart about providing supplies for Bible school. This invitation today is one that you may want to respond today, but the truth is the response happens between now and June 13th. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? Thanks for listening today. We are just a little bit later than normal, and that's, I hope you understand that doesn't happen all the time now. But if you're here today, and you're sitting at that table, and you heard Jesus knocking today, and he's saying, come follow me. In just a moment, Brent's going to be standing down front. I'm telling you, my Jesus journey began in 1975, and it's been an incredible journey. And it's just not me. I'm just, that's my testimony. There are people who, if we have time, can stand up there and tell you about their journey with Jesus. It's incredible. The help, the change. When, one day they were an enemy of God and facing God's wrath, and the next minute they were the friend of God, and their sins were forgiven. And it's all by incredible grace. All by incredible grace. We would love to tell you about Jesus Christ today. And then secondly, how's your heart? How's your heart? Would you be willing in the coming days, Weeks, months, and years to live the heart of God. Father, what an incredible privilege it was and is to teach your word. Thanks, God. Thank you that you love us enough to give us a new heart. Thank you for that. Jesus, thanks for putting flesh and bones on it and challenging us to Pray, but be an answer to that prayer. And for the incredible example of Paul, who was willing to lose it all, literally, if his kinsmen could be saved. Please, God. Holy Spirit, please. Draw men and women and children to yourself today in salvation. Draw men, women, and children to yourself. Your children. For service. And Jesus, I pray this in your name.